Welcome to Reframe Your Mindset for Success. With me today is Trevor Meriden. Trevor Meriden is a thought leadership expert in business to business and HR. He's also a content strategist and believes that it's clever content that sells. He's an author, broadcaster, speaker, and entrepreneur. And it's great to have Trevor with me today. Welcome to Reframe Your Mindset for Success. With me today is Trevor Meriden. Hiya, Trevor. Hi there. How are you doing? Yeah, really good. How are you today, Trevor? I'm, uh, I'm very well. I'm having a good, a good, busy day. I think the mindset's right today. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm sort of buzzing. I've sort of had some good things happen today. And, I'm, uh, and I'm, I, it's kind of in the afternoon now, now as we're recording this. And, uh, and I'm, uh, I'm still up for it. And it's nearly the end. So that's a good sign. Great stuff, great stuff. And what have you been up to this week? Well, this week I've been, um, I mean, I've been out and about, actually. I haven't, you know, it's like most people for the last two years, you know, many of us haven't been out and about that much. And um, But I went to a conference yesterday. Oh, brilliant. Um, and I heard um, the uh, CEO of the, of the Chartered Institute of Personal Development speak. He was very passionate about people, which, as you'd hope he would be. And uh, so that was I was good. I had some new business meetings and I don't, I don't think life is getting back to normal and I can't even remember what normal was really, but, but, but I certainly life sort of has this more of a balance, I think, you know, than the sort of the extremes of, of either sort of going up to London all the time. I live near London or, or being at home all the time as, as, as many of us have been for the last sort of uh, 18 months, two years. I think that's it, isn't it? You know, I've noticed that, you know, prior to lockdown that I was spending a lot of time, you know, out in London, out and about meetings and things, things have changed so much since then. And, and you look at it as you're saying, we, we haven't quite returned to a new normal yet, have we? No. And, and, um, and I, I think maybe we should stop talking about normal because I don't think there is normal <laughs> anymore. I mean, yeah. I, I, I don't, you know, I, and I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not, criticize anybody who does use that phrase but I don't know what it means anymore and I don't think any of us really do I, I just I guess the normal for me is the sort of the constant things in life you know sort of you know the you know the family the friends the the football club you support the and you know the and, and as normal as you can get in business life as well and to me those things have become more important and they're more normal they're normal but they're also quite precious I think yeah absolutely absolutely so, so I, I always start the podcast, Trevor, with um, your story. So in your own words, would you be able to tell us a little bit about yourself? <laughs> I'll try my best. Uh, I, I'll, um, and, uh, and, and please stop me if I'm sort of rambling on too much. I, um, you know, I am probably best known professionally as a guy who writes stuff. You know, um, sort of content is my is my game and um, and particularly the area of sort of thought leadership, yeah. um, which is, you know, an interesting term, which I'm sure we'll come to in a bit. Originally though, I, I, I wasn't a writer of any sort. I was, uh, I was actually an economist and I worked in the city and I, um, and I was running mathematical models at the Bank of England. And I, uh, and, and then I would sort of have my, my face deep into a sort of spreadsheet full of numbers. And I realized after a while that there were lots of people around me who were very, very clever people, much more clever than I was sort of around the numbers, but who just didn't really know how to tell a story. 
around the numbers. Yeah. And um, so I went from there, to cut a long story short, to work for the Economist Group, um, where I was writing economic reports. And I went from there in a very circuitous way to into mainstream business journalism. And I ran, um, sort of helped to run magazines like Management Today, uh, some dot-com titles that went up and down in the whole boom and bust back in uh, about 20 years ago. And then uh, onto a nice stable magazine called HR magazine um where i um where we developed that magazine editorially and commercially as as the profession itself developed and and then i moved on from that to into a much more sort of out and out commercial role where i was helping to run a pr business that we grew from about a million to three million turnover and then i'd always had a hankering for running my own business so and this world that is between the worlds of journalism magazine journalism and PR in the world of content, but in the con- in the corporate market is where I sort of settled, and it's where I think I, my my strength was. And so, and I guess I had some consultancy skills from PR, yeah. and I guess I had some writing skills from journalism. So I kind of made the fused the two together. I and, and actually actively thought, what do I love doing? And I thought about the happiest moments, and my happiest moments where I was where I was writing sort of meaty thought leadership reports um, or where you actually actually have to really think about what you're writing, maybe bring in and distill down sort of views about the latest thinking on a particular subject. So I'm in the business sector, business to business sector. Yeah. And, 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 I, and it's all about thought leadership reports uh, for me. Brilliant. Brilliant. So, and you know, not everybody fully understands, I guess, what thought leadership is. So <laughs> if you were to, to describe it for us, what would it be? Well, I mean, I would be the first to say that it's probably an overused term in some ways, because what happened was that, I mean, I, I did some research on this when I was writing a paper recently, and, and to my astonishment, I discovered that thought leadership originally became a, a term sort of in the, in the 1850s, um, where uh, it was basically used for people who are seen in America as having enlightened views around slavery. And you know the sort of the abolitionists of, of, of slavery was were talked about as thought leaders. So it kind of it kind of um, emerged at that time, and then it disappeared for a while, and then it came back in business magazines in a uh, magazine called Business and Strategy. A guy called Joel Kurtzman adopted the term again, and then over the fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties, people were writing articles and, and and so on, and and they all started to call themselves thought leaders and. Yeah. Um, and the truth is that some of them were thought leaders, but many of them were writing articles which were really thinly disguised sales pitches. And so it's all about, you know, thought leadership is really about not necessarily saying, you know, I've got a bit of thin veneer of thoughts and, and then please buy my product. It's, it's actually putting yourself at the center of a debate um, and by, by talking about the issues, not necessarily in an overt way of selling, but by by people then looking at you and elevating your, so you kind of elevate your brand through your knowledge and through your expertise. And and whereas I think a lot of people call themselves thought leaders, actually the truth is that a lot of people who really should be talking about themselves and their knowledge and their expertise very often are underconfident in getting it out from inside them um, to outside. And they're also not that good at sort of repurposing and repackaging the things that they do say um, in a way that that, that is is is, uh, is marketable. So that's what I do. I help people. I help help people do that, and that's roughly what what I think thought leadership is. 
That, that's a, a brilliant description. So, you know, you, you, you work with organizations. So, so how do you actually use thought leadership within organizations? Um, well, I usually get approached um, from an external perspective. And what I mean by that is that, you know, so I'd probably get approached by a marketing director who would say, you know, we need to elevate our brand. We've got some people who have got a view on a particular subject and, and uh, within the organization, or we want to write about something, you know, in our field of expertise. And so I, I get approached from it um, from the point of view of an external perspective, raising yeah. the brand, raising the profile. What often happens is that in the course of doing that, I think clients who I work with become aware of actually an internal benefit within the organization as well, that yeah. they realize that in order to understand what they themselves think about a subject, they have to collaborate with one another maybe people who didn't really stop and talk to each other. And it seems ridiculous within a business, but it happens quite a lot. You know, communication often isn't what it should be, but they talk about, well, why are we doing this? What's the purpose of what we're, what we're doing? What, what messages are we trying to put across? So there's an internal thing around collaboration. It provides greater clarity within the business. You know, once you establish that, um, that, that, uh, that purpose. It also gives everybody something to coalesce around, you know, another C, you know, coalesce, collaborate and so on um, uh, and clarity. And, and so if you if you're able to to do that, then there's actually an internal benefit that helps you, you know, it, depending on your motive, you can it's either to start new sales conversations with potential clients or it's yeah. to keep your members aware of the value of what you do or it's to, to build, your, to, to, to build your, your name in a particular area that perhaps you weren't well known for. So that's what they ask me to do. And, and I always, of course, when I'm working with them, uh, I kind of look at it from two points of view. One is I'm there to help them create this thing, but I'm also listening very carefully um, to what it is that their business uh, is there to do, you know, not just from their point of view, but from their customers. I'm always asking them about, what do your customers really want? And if, if I understand what their customers want, then I'm helping them do a good job in terms of what I'm putting across. Mate, that makes complete sense. And I, I know from my own experience of, you know, working with yourself in the past and, and also, you know, helping leaders that maybe have been in an organization for a long time that have become institutionalized mm. to really tap into that external thinking. And I, yeah. I think that's, you know, such a great byproduct in changing behavior is sharing that for leadership from an external perspective. So, uh, so, so I know, I know you've just recently said that I think it's today you, you've, you've launched a, a recent white paper. So, so what can you tell us about that on thought leadership? Yeah. I wish I could pretend that this was a, <laughs> uh, a deliberate piece of timing um, that, that you and I are speaking on this, on this, on this day. And I, um, uh, but it is, it is, we might as well make a, take advantage of it. Yes. It's called, um, up, up and away, three ways to elevate your brand through thought leadership content. And what it is, it's kind of comes out of an earlier paper, sort of a bigger paper I did called the New Thought Leadership uh, Revolution. And it focuses on that more particularly, zooms in on the external perspective that I was talking about earlier and, you know, about the brand benefits of, of, um, of, of working on, on thought leadership. So, uh, yeah, I've been working on that. It's a sort of it's, it's restating some of the facts from the earlier paper, but also giving it a new, a new twist for, for because some of the feedback I got was specifically around that external uh, side. So I just wanted to say a little bit more 
um, uh, 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 about about that, and it's uh, and it's downloadable. If you, if anybody, uh, anybody wants it, I don't know how you communicate these things, but but I can uh, I can pass these these things on um, to you. Yeah, absolutely, and you know we'll, we'll include that as, as part of the podcast. Okay, um, um, the, you know, the marketing around it as well. Um, but definitely, you know, I've, I've read some of it and it looks great. So um, definitely there for people to tap into. So, so you know, as, as you know, Trevor, that this whole podcast uh, episode is framed around mindset. And, you know, if we, if we think about mindset, as you said at the very start, you know, today, your mindset's been really important in, in shaping your day. So, you know, if I was to ask you the question, why is, why is mindset important in what you do? It's not, it, it's not just important. It's it's actually it's the whole operating system for what I do really. It, it's um, it's not just you know an important thing or the most important. It's, it is actually the the operating system. And I'll just expand a bit on this. Um, when I when I started my business, you know, when you run your own business, your mindset, you know, you undergo a mindset shift at that point because suddenly if you um, you've been working within a, you know, the cozy confines of a, of a, of a business, you know, and, and you'll have done this yourself through, through employment, have experiencing both employment and self-employment. But when you go through that stage, you, you, you have freedom, but you also have freedom to work 18 hours a day, six days a week. You have responsibility, not just responsibility to your, you know, your partner or your children, but also responsibility if the printer breaks down to go and fix it yourself because you haven't got anybody else to, to do it. Um, so there's a sort of, you know, it's a bit of a Spider-Man, you know, with great power comes great responsibility <laughs> kind of line there. And, and um, but, but what I realised at that point was that I had a chance after years of employment to write my own script, if you like. So, and that started with mindset. And, and so what I had to do was, uh, my, my wife put it slightly more brutally, you know, when I said, I want, to, I want to run my own business. And she said, I love you, I support you, but you've got six months and don't F it up. And, <laughs> uh, and, and that provided me my short-term stimulation, if you like, the fear, you know, the mindset of fear, right in the early days. And then six months in, I realized that actually, um, I, uh, because I'd been positive and I like to think I'm a positive sort of person that I had generated you know leads and got in business and you know and it was comfortable and also a good deal more enjoyable and that so that was the first mindset moment if you like and and then what happens is you move from a mindset where you have a fear of failure to what I think is actually a, a much tougher mindset which is around and this will sound strange but bear with me on this the fear of success that that if you if you not then then what happens you think well what happens if I get all this business in and then I can't cope and then I am working 18 hours a day and I'm not charging enough and and then suddenly you know I'm chasing my tail and then that takes its toll on my health and on my family and all these things a lot of people I think spend a lot of time thinking about things that may go wrong in the future rather than the things that may go right in the future and I had a much tougher time dealing with the mindset of success and um where i and so i i think i have managed to reframe that now to, uh, to a point but it's still a work in still a work in progress that, that's that's a great explanation and how would you describe your mindset today then trevor 
today it's good. Um, I, I, I actually, it, it, it sounds, I don't know if this sounds like a strange thing or not, but I, I try and start every day um, uh, with the same sort of set of sort of thoughts or principles. And, and, and to me, I kind of go through certain things. I sort of try and sort of think about the kind of person that I want to be or where I want to be in five years time, not in an overly serious way, because life happens in the meantime. And, you know, we could all get up and something disastrous may happen or something wonderful may happen, but, but just with a sort of set of intentions, you know, around things. And then I try and live my day by just thinking about like the next three things that I'm doing. Um, And, you know, where I'm thinking, you know, and it could be something as banal as get up, get changed, have a coffee, run the bath. Um, And, you know, it, it would, you know, or, and, and then I'm always just thinking about the next things in between those times when because you because your day shouldn't be just a list of tactical things to tick off. But you have to um, almost like have a rhythm about what you do, particularly when you start to employ other people where and you need to involve them in helping you get somewhere and do something is that you have to have a rhythm in what you're doing in terms of taking stock every week or month or quarter and actually thinking, where are we relative to where we want to be? And that's so there's two levels of mindset in my mind. One is the sort of get up, just try and live your best life in a in a single day, every day. And then and then there is a step back kind of mindset where you are almost like a helicopter up in the air where you are looking down on what you're doing and you are and you're thinking longer term. You can see the horizon and you can see what you need to do or how far you've got to go or the fact that there's a hill in the way or, or, or a lake or something. And, and you, so I see it very much in a split way. Like I go deep dive in most of my day, but at the beginning and the end of the day, I try and raise myself back up and just, you think, well, has that helped us get where we want to be? Brilliant. That, that's a, a great explanation. Yeah. And um, so some real pra- practical tips there as well. So, so, you know, your mindset and the way that you've developed it, it, who's who's actually helped you over the years and have they shared any practical tips with you to help you with your mindset? Um, so many people have helped me. Um, you know, we'd, we'd, you know I'd, I'd be here in a day's time sort of talking about all the people who have helped me, but but I'm sure you don't want that. So um, what, what, um, what I would say is that People who were kind enough to sort of give me either intentionally or just in passing of what they were what they were saying. I mean, one person who helped me, um, I won't name him because, you know, um, he might not want me to name him um, sort of, you know, on the editorial side of things. When back in my journalism days kind of inspired me by telling me that if you put yourself in the shoes of the other person, you know, and in his case, he meant the readers, you know, but he could have yeah. meant the customer or he could have meant, you know, your mate down the pub or, or anything, then you will understand life so much better. And, and that, if, if, I, if I could think of one single thing that, you know, that would be one of them. I'd say there's a, there's, so it's about putting yourself in the shoes of the, of the, other, of the other person. Somebody else said to me um, about, you know, living it just making the most of absolutely every every minute and i don't mean i time everything to the minute and i say well it's five it's one minute past six now and i'm late i don't get stressed like that but but what you try and do is you try and you kind of um uh live your life 
put a lot of uh, uh, um, activity in your life, you know, no matter how long your life ends up, ends up being. And uh, in terms of specific people who I, who I would be prepared to name, um, you know, there's, there's, there's lots of them. I, you know, I had a, the, the leader, Pam, of Pam Calvert of the of communications management, the PR company that I, yeah. I joined. She kind of really helped me believe in myself um, that, um, and actually gave me my kind of commercial wings and the confidence because a lot of people who are editors or journalists, they just don't believe, they think the commercial is this thing somewhere over there, you know, somewhere distant and it's got nothing to do with what they're doing. And I kind of understood from her that actually that was a false mindset, that there was no need to create that division. And there are a lot of things that were good editorial opportunities that were also good commercial opportunities. She helped me knock down my own siloed thinking. And um, and then more recently, loads of people, I mean, I do a lot of self-help stuff, um, you know, so I'm always reading books and, you know, attending lectures. More recently, I'd say, and this relates to what I was saying earlier about the fear of success. Um, there's a, a wonderful organization called Genius U, which, is, um, which has helped me almost like develop a sort of framework for how I'd scale up my, my time and my team um, in, 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 in the business. And much more recently, um, I have a wonderful mentor called Terry Vincent, who is just amazing who, you know, I talk to once a week, come rain or shine, and she just, and she just listens to me, wrap it on for an hour and understands, you know, where I'm coming from. And that's a very strong sort of bond of trust, you know, so I spill my guts for most of the hour and then she says some, some very wise things and sort of helps me correct my course or make me think differently. Excellent, Sam. You know, it's really interesting because people do, you know, those people who support us and help us and give us confidence, it really does help, you know, with that mindset to have the confidence to do the things that we can do each and every day. Now, one of the things I've been reading just on social media lately is has been around imposter syndrome. Mm. And um, what's quite interesting, I just saw a post the other day that said, you know, don't talk about imposter syndrome. It's just about people stepping out of their comfort zone. And, you know, actually being in a place of discomfort rather than being an imposter. And I'm, ju I'm just wondering if you, you ever experienced that kind of, you know, where you put yourself outside of your comfort zone or you felt imposter syndrome. Or what's your take on it? Just out of interest. Every day, Paul, every day <laughs> I, I have I have I have moments. And, and that's that's not because I actually think I'm an imposter. I don't. But 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 every day we all have if we're all honest with ourselves, you know, we all have moments where we think can I do this you know why is uh, is this is this credible you know is this coming across well what will they think of me all those little kind of moments of doubt that sort of come in I mean and interestingly you know one thing I didn't say earlier was that uh, it's no accident that my tagline of my business is um, you know to put every business on the fast track to content confidence and and right. because my view and uh, is is that businesses lack confidence in their content a lot of the time. Equally, when I'm mentoring, I, you know, as, you, as you know, through our, our work together, Paul, that, that I spend a bit of time mentoring, you know, yeah. sort of young entrepreneurs. And, and the whole issue around that is, um, is to do with, with confidence. A lot of people you know, feel like 
I don't really know enough people. I, 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 you know, I don't know how to do it. I don't know what to do. I will get found out, you know, all these things because people will realize I don't know what I'm doing or I, or I don't know as much as people think I do and, and so on. You know, and, and that is, um, I'd say that the real inhibitor, the self-sabotage, if you like, of so many people is this, is this imposter syndrome. I mean, there are so many people who are really good on talking about this, but uh, one, it, one person for your listeners maybe to sort of check out is a lady called Steph Taylor, who's yeah. um, done really well in launching digital products. But she talks, you know, at length about the imposter syndrome she felt um, and very eloquently about how she often, um, you know, inhibited and stopped her for years from doing what she should do. So, so it, it, yes, I'm, I recognise it. You know, it affects me every day, um, you know, and it, I think it affects most people every day, but I can brush it off in a few seconds, you know, because, um, you know, because, because you kind of start to see it for what it is. That, that's, that's great advice. So, so thanks for sharing. You know, I, I have this statement, which is, you know, if you really want to shape your future, create your future and yeah. then step, then step into it, but you've yeah. got to believe in yourself and that imposter syndrome sometimes can be what stops people. One, so, one thing, one thing yeah. Paul, actually, on that is that um, is that I did a I looked at a psychological study. It sounds very grand, but um, the the other day, where um, people, if you think about what people are thinking about when they are affected by sort of psychological things such as imposter syndrome, is that they spend about twenty percent of their time thinking about the past, about thirty percent of the time in the present, and about fifty percent of the time thinking about the future because they think and worry about things that may happen. And this imposter syndrome, as with many other syndromes or conditions, are, are, are kind of rooted in a future that hasn't even happened yeah. that you can actually determine for yourself. Absolutely, you know, it's quite easy, isn't it, to get into that mindset of the the what if, and it's like, well, actually, if you just stop yourself. And then when it happens, then deal with it. Then it, it's yeah. going to be easier to deal with mentally. Yeah, absolutely. Totally, totally. So I, I always ask, you know, anybody who comes on the podcast, I always ask, you've got any funny stories? Because, you know, you, you've had a lengthy career and adventures. And do, do any, any funny stories come to mind that you could share with us that you can share? Um, <laughs> it's so many, I, so many I can't share, Paul. Um, <laughs> but, but I'll tell you one Quick professional, but by the way, I'll just I'll leave this for the listeners to decide whether these are funny or not. I mean, this is the question I'm probably, <laughs> probably most most nervous about, you know. And uh, but they're funny to me, so audience, <laughs> please bear with me on this one. Um, when I was when I about um, 15 years or so ago, I was commissioned to uh, write a book and uh, a business book. And when I, um, I I took the commission, I signed the contract. Six weeks later, my wife said to me, I'm, I'm pregnant. And um, so I, many people, if it takes you a year to write a book, you know, it, if you've got only got a year, it'll take you a year. If you, if you take, if you're given three years, it'll probably take you three years. And I, you know, I, I suddenly had this kind of seven and a half month kind of deadline, the ultimate deadline in life, you know, before the baby arrives. Um, second book I wrote, um, exactly the same thing happened. And there's no relation between me signing a contract and, and pregnancy, I should add. And, um, um, and, and, but, but what happened was that, I, was that I kept having this ultimate deadline. And it was probably the best and the worst thing because it got me very stressed 
writing the books. So this happened three times. Um, so I wrote three books. I had, I've got three sons. And then when it came to, and then the publisher approached me and said, would you like to write a fourth book? And I said, and I said, and I said I'll have to ask my wife. And so I went back and asked my wife and she said, well, I can't repeat what she said. But basically, basically, she told me very firmly that three books was enough. <laughs> Brilliant. Quite, quite enough. And the one, the one social one, and, and I know for and your, your regular listeners will know, if they don't know, they should, that you're a Liverpool fan. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and, and so this is a story of parental failure if you like, from my point of view, um, <laughs> where I, I took my eldest, I'm a big Watt fan and, you know, and have been for, you know, sort of over 40 years now. And of course, every, you know, parents, anybody who's enthusiastic about football, they want to take their children along and they want them to support the same team. So I took along my son to watch uh, Watford play and it was a terrible cold night, freezing cold January night. It got to, it was, it was the worst game you've ever seen in the pouring rain. And, um, and it got to 80 minutes. And my son said to me, he was only six at the time, you know, daddy, daddy, can, can we go now? Because I'm, I'm, I'm really cold, you know, and, and I'm not really enjoying it. And I said, well, if, if I buy you a Mars bar, will you stay? And, and, and he said, okay, okay, I'll stay. And so I bought him a Mars bar. We sat back down. He'd eaten the Mars bar within a couple of minutes 85 minutes go has gone by terrible game and he says uh, daddy I'm, I'm still really cold and, and I, I just want to go home and I'm, I'm, I don't really want to stay and I, I, I was going well starting to weaken at this point and I was saying no you should never leave a game before the end never ever leave a game before the end and and he starts sort of whimpering slightly after about 88 minutes and so it gets just to 88 minutes and he says daddy please can we go home and I said okay I'll break the rule of a lifetime and I'll take <laughs> you home I got up we left the stadium and it takes 10 minute walk sorry seven or eight minute walk to the car park and in the seven or eight minutes guess what happened Watford scored three times <laughs> no uh, right at the end this is absolutely <laughs> true story Watford scored three times and now he is a Liverpool fan <laughs> and, uh, and, and and I and I um, and I've always I've always blamed myself as a uh, as a parent for, uh, for for quitting at the wrong time and and because on the one hand you don't want to uh, you want your child to be to to not to suffer you know and you want to you know tell them, you don't want to ruin their enjoyment by sitting through a terrible nil nil draw in the pouring rain in January but I just I just got it wrong and and I. And, and I and I um and I, I I took him I took him home. He missed he missed some great goals, and uh, and now he's a he's on what he's one of yours. You know, oh, there, 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 there you go. <laughs> he obviously comes to his senses. Yeah. Uh, well, well, that's another. We, we could spend another hour debating that. But, uh, <laughs> but, 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 but let's move on. So those are. I don't know if they're funny stories, but they're my stories anyway. Brilliant. I, I enjoyed them, Travis. I'm sure the listeners will too. <laughs> so so just uh, just to end and conclude, I'll, I'll last piece of advice that you'd give to the listeners then around mindset what would it be um i think to me um a lot of people go through uh life um they are aware of their mindset and they hear other people talking about mindset 
And they might think of it as, you know, this is something that sports people talk about, you know, sort of, you know, are you in the right mindset to win an Olympic gold? Do you, uh, are you in the right mindset to achieve, you know, Herculean tasks? Mindset to me is not about that. Mindset is rooted in the everyday. It's not sort of a one-off thing like scoring a great goal or making a million. Mindset is the way you almost, it's your preset button for the day you know it's it's the it's the it, it is it is the thing that you should be thinking of, of, of the day it's, you should be checking in with yourself about how it's going in the middle of the day and it should probably be the last thing you do before you you, you turn to you know for i always say and it drives my wife mad that you know that if we're if we're all if we're all still alive and we've all you know, and we're all, you know, sort of living in a nice house and, you know, and, you know, and, and enjoying our lives as we turn the lights out, then it doesn't matter what's happened, you know, in the intervening time, even if, you know, you know, people in the family have had a squabble or you've, or something bad has happened, things like that. If you're all safe and well at the end of the day, as you turn out the light, mindset-wise, that's a good day. And you just, um, so it's something that is front, centre, back, of, of every day it's a daily habit it is yeah. not just some it's nothing more profound than that it's 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 and whether you framing it or reframing it that to me is the key to uh to being successful whatever successful means brilliant so that's that's great advice uh, i absolutely agree you know starting off your day with that mindset and keeping it going for the rest of the day yeah it's integral integral to everything that you do so uh, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. I really enjoyed it. So thanks for your time, Trevor. Absolute pleasure, Paul. Um, I hope you hope your listeners got uh, got something out of that. It's been brilliant having Trevor on the podcast today. You know, listening to him speak and, and actually saying that, you know, his biggest fear when he started in business was actually fear of success rather than fear of failure. And it's actually amazing how many people really struggle with the thoughts of being successful. Well, what I really liked about what Trevor said was that he has presets and one of his presets is his mindset. It is not something that he chooses from minute to minute, hour to hour. It's something that's preset from the start of the day to the end of the day. Um, you know, Trevor also talked about, you know, overcoming imposter syndrome and the importance of believing in yourself and really thinking about the future you and who you want to be, but living as that future you today, which is something I massively believe in, which I mentioned earlier, which is that you can create your own future and then step into it. And I love this quote, which is taken from a very famous film, with great power comes great responsibility. And when you think about it with our mindset, that is the power that we have each and every day. Thanks for the ride. Oh, man. wait a minute, Peter. We, uh, we need to talk. Well, we can talk later. Well, we can talk now, if you let me. What do we have to talk about? Why now? Because we haven't talked at all for so long. Your Aunt May and I don't even know who you are anymore. You shirk your chores. You, you have all those weird experiments in, in, your, in your room. You, you start fights at school. We I don't didn't know. start that fight. I told you that. Yeah, well, you sure as hell finished. What was I supposed to do? Run away? No, no, you're not supposed to run away. But, Pete, look, 
You're changing. I know. I went through exactly the same thing at your age. No, not exactly. Peter, these are the years when a man changes into the man he's going to become the rest of his life. Just be careful who you change into. This guy, Flash Thompson, he probably deserved what happened. But just because you can beat him up doesn't give you the right to. Remember, with great power comes great responsibility.